it's a real honor to, to be up here. One, for the last time, and uh, everything that's good comes to an end, but yeah, I'm just coming at this from a, a place of gratitude to, to be here and to have this opportunity with literally no experience prior, so it's, yeah, really humbling and very grateful to be here and thankful for every person in this congregation, uh, thankful for Scott's uh, kind words and both of the Scott's and their, their wisdom that they've bestowed on me and just getting this opportunity. It's, it's really awesome. So throughout this summer, we've, we've been going through this series called I'm In. Uh, it's the reason we have a, a dock up here. Uh, it's to signify as these kids are, are jumping off the dock, uh, they do it fully, uh, and it's to signify uh, and showing how Peter and his decision points uh, throughout Scripture, how he has embraced Christ fully and has had to say, I'm in, and seeing those different decision points that he's gone through. And uh, we've seen him, from the very beginning, we've seen him being called uh, to this rabbi, this traveling rabbi named Jesus, from a humble fisherman. Uh, last week, Scott got to preach on baptism and uh, the sermon at Pentecost that Peter gave. So just seeing this this really big arc that, that Peter has gone through, going from a fisherman all the way now to, to preaching uh, the message of who Christ was, and uh, just, just going through that. And so based off of what Scott has already preached on, I want to take us through, uh, I'm, we're going to get to Acts 4, but I want to take us through Acts 3. So after that sermon at Pentecost, Peter and his disciples are getting known really well, or all of Christ's disciples are getting known at this point, and people are being saved, and the Holy Spirit is coming. And so in Acts 3, we'll, we'll go there first. So we're going to go to Acts 3, we're going to be in verse, uh, starting in 6. Yes, starting in verse 6 in just a moment. But what Peter is doing in this moment is he is first going to the temple to pray. He and John are going to the temple to pray. And they, they encountered this man who, if you can imagine, he's just a homeless man on the ground. He's crippled. And he is asking for money. And I'm sure we've all experienced this, somebody on the side of the road, uh, picture that same person that's, that's crippled there and uh, in need of help, and he's been there for many years. The Bible says that he is over 40, so uh, he was old at that point, but, uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so he, this, this crippled man goes from this place, and people are, are going by him, and they're seeing him each and every day. And he's just become a nuisance at this point. But Peter and John respond differently in this moment. They actually stop and they acknowledge this man. And he's asking for money. And Peter and John look at him. And this is Peter's response here in verse 6. It says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can you just, can you just picture that for a moment? This man that they had seen cripple all these years is now 
jumping around and, and praising God, and he's walking. It's a sight that they hadn't seen before, a miraculous deed done by God at this moment. And he does it all in the name of Christ, and that's what Peter's doing here. And in every moment up until this point, when something crazy happens, Peter takes this opportunity to preach. And so at the temple, he begins to preach who Christ was, that he was the Messiah, the Lord and the Messiah, and how he came and how he died, and then how he was resurrected on the third day, as we just saw in that, that really powerful video as well. And people are, are listening to him here at this point, and he's preaching the resurrection, and then there's this group of Jewish leaders that are near him called the Sadducees. And they're there, and they're not liking what they're hearing at all. So the Sadducees don't believe in any kind of resurrection whatsoever, and so they don't like, one, that they're preaching about the resurrection. They think that something that didn't happen, and they think it's false, and two, he's preaching on this man named Jesus. This is the, the group of people that, that wanted to off Jesus and wanted to kill him. And so they did. So they're surprised and upset that they're still talking about this guy that they thought they had taken care of weeks prior. And so they, they treat Peter and John as, as common criminals. And they even take the, the beggar that's been healed. They take him and they throw him in prison. And they're about to bring him before this larger group called the Sanhedrin. And so the next day, they bring all three of these men into this large room with a group of about 70 people. And the Sanhedrin is just a larger group of Jewish leaders made up of some Sadducees, some uh, other traveling rabbis, some other priests, and the high priest. And so they bring them before this large group. And if you can imagine, they're, they're about to cast judgment on Peter and John, and they're about to condemn them for what they did, but they first want to know how this happened, because the man is standing there with them. The beggar is with Peter and John at this, this hearing, or this court hearing. And so now we're going to be in Acts 4, and we're going to go to what Scott was just talking about, and I, I want to go first to this verse and they've been asking Peter and John, by what power are you doing these things? So, verse 7, it says, They had Peter and John, and they brought them before them, and began to question them. By what power and what name are you doing this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If, you, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this man who was lame, and are being asked how it was he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Peter is making a very bold claim here. He's not backing down at all. Just as he had preached the resurrection in a group of full of witnesses, he's now preaching it to people who don't want to hear it at all. He's saying, in fact, the guy that you killed, God raised him up. Peter's being very bold in this moment. And so the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin are surprised by what Peter is saying here in this moment, and they're shocked, so they want to deliberate and talk things over. 
And the important thing to know is, so they take them out of the room, so they're all talking and discussing what they're going to do with these men. And they're thinking, we can't deny that something miraculous has happened. This man has been healed. He's standing here before us. The man that normally sits outside the temple is here. And yet, we can't disprove the resurrection. We don't believe in the resurrection, but we can't find the body of Jesus. And they're still talking about him. So what are we going to do at this moment? Well, okay, so let's just, <clears throat> let's just cast fear into these men. Let's make them stop talking about it, in fact. So that, that's their plan. They're going to try and intimidate Peter and John. And we'll see how that goes in just a moment. But they're trying to instill fear into them to get them to stop talking about Christ. And so they bring them back in and they start threatening them with what they would do to them if they kept preaching this word. And this is, this is Peter and John's response. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. And this guy is not backing down at all. So he continues to, to tell these men, okay, you want us to do something wrong, but it's right in God's eyes. Therefore, we're going to keep doing it regardless of what you say, and you can judge us for that. But if we're doing something right in God's eyes, then why do you persecute us? And, you know, they're threatening them and continue to do that. So they, they throw them out. And at this point, Peter and John, and I want to contrast here something I talked about a couple weeks ago, and if you weren't here, I talked about Peter's denial and how he denied to know Christ three times uh, in the presence of a little girl and a servant, uh, and it was a very weak and cowardice moment for Peter. So how, does, how do we get this, this cowardice Peter to now this courageous Peter? How do we get somebody who was afraid of persecution, fear for their life, to now boldly prosecuting these men and these judges that stand before them and have all the power over them. How does he get from here to there? And how does he deny Jesus, a denier of him, and now how does he get to this point of defending Jesus' name at all cost? Because that's what he's doing in this moment. He's saying, I'm going to continue to preach this word, regardless of if you think it's right or wrong. And the question I have for us is, how do we get that kind of courage? How do we get from this weak moment to this strong moment? I personally want to know. I want to know how do we get from being just not comfortable and feeling as though we're in a place where, where we want to talk but we can't, where fear just, just cripples us. How do we get to this bold, boldness that we see in Peter? And, and, and I've revealed the answer. Scott has read this verse, and I've read this verse. Do you, do you know the answer? Because it's right here in Scripture. So in, in verse 8, it says this. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the answer to this question. This gap that we have from a weak Peter that denies to one that defends Jesus' name at all costs. That is the gap. The Holy Spirit is filling in those gaps. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And if you don't know what the Holy Spirit is, we actually had a series on this a couple months ago. Scott preached all about the Holy Spirit. It was called The Greatest Gift Ever, The Best Gift Ever. And so I want, I want you to dive deep into that if you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, but I want to tell you that it is the believer's promise from God to come and dwell within us. And it does a lot of things. It gives us knowledge, gives us power, it casts out fear. But specifically for today, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit allows us to be bold. It allows us to do things that we didn't think were possible up until this point. And if you could pull up my working definition that I want you to know for, for this week, is the Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold in both action and in word, in ways that we couldn't imagine. So if you, if you have a pen, if you could write that right next to uh, verse 8 that we just read, that would be great. Or if you want to take a picture, whatever you want to do, that, that's the definition that I want us to go off this morning, is the Holy Spirit allows us to be bold in both action and in word. And it makes us do things and gives us strength in ways that we couldn't imagine. That's what I want us to know this morning. And I think it's really important because oftentimes we, we hear a story like this from Peter and we think it's unattainable. And we think there's no way that I can be as bold as that. Peter is one of the pillars of the New Testament and he is one of Jesus' closest friends and he's being bold and somehow that gives me an excuse not to be bold, or, or we tell ourselves different things. And so what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit puts us all on an equal playing field at this moment. We are equal to Peter in that denial, and yet we have this boldness within us if we're a believer in who Christ said he, that he was. We can do these things. This is not out of our grasp. I hope you know that. And oftentimes we tell ourselves different things knowing that we have the Holy Spirit and we tell ourselves these things to try and get out of these moments or we listen to the lies that we tell ourselves. And I want you to know that some of those things aren't true. And I want to go through some of those, those things. So I'm going to do something that we've never done in the history of this church and I want to take us through some myths that we're going to go through. Uh, if you don't know, Scott went through myths literally last week. So uh, I, I want to I talk about some of these, and as you're hearing me speak about these, and you feel as I'm coming, I, I, man, I'm preaching myself just as much as I'm preaching to y'all in this moment, because I tell myself these same things, and it, it's really hard at, at times to to remember that these things aren't true. But I want to answer each one of these with a piece of Scripture, and because I, I think God is gracious and He gives us the answer to each one of these questions or these myths that we tell ourselves. So the first one is that people won't be receptive, or they won't be receptive to me being bold, or they won't want to hear the words that I have to say, or... It's just not a good time to bring up who Jesus is in this moment. Or, man, they have such an opposing worldview that 
I would feel uncomfortable imposing this person of Christ on them in this moment. And what's really interesting about that myth is we often tell ourselves that, but I want you to think about the story that I just told you. Peter is in front of the Sanhedrin, this group of people who don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe Jesus said or was who he said he was. And yet, Peter is preaching the gospel to them, telling them, you crucified this man, but yet God raised him from the dead. Peter's preaching the gospel in this moment. He is being bold with his words. Do you think this group was receptive to this? Not one bit. But that does not stop Peter from from telling them truth. And I, I want us to know that as well, is whatever situation that you may tell somebody about the gospel or tell somebody about Christ in that moment, they may not be receptive. They may not. <laughs> I've talked to, to people about the gospel, and believe it or not, not all of them have come before me and said, man, I'm a sinner. I want to be saved right now in this moment. And I wish it went that way, but it doesn't always go that way. They're not always receptive. And I want you to know, too, I want you to take that pressure off yourself because it is not you that makes people receptive. There's no magic word that makes people receptive. But it's God. God is the one that makes people receptive to his words. He softens those people's hearts in those moments. And if he graciously uses you in that moment as an instrument and his word, then praise be to him. That's, that's so awesome. But don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't think that you will, one, make anyone receptive, because you won't. People, everyone brings their own baggage. I bring my own baggage to the table each and every day. And it makes me either receptive or not receptive. But I'm telling you right now, Christ is the one that makes people receptive. So take that pressure off of yourself. But at the same time, don't let that discourage you from sharing the word. Because Peter in this moment is telling something to people that they, he, they don't want to hear at all. So that's the first myth. So the second one is I lack the right knowledge or gifts. Man, I tell myself that a lot. I don't lack enough knowledge. Or I don't lack the right gifts in order for Christ to use me. Does anybody else feel that and tell themselves that daily? You know, wake up and I don't know enough, or I don't, I don't know enough to, to answer all these questions that people have. You know, I'm afraid to get in a conversation about Christ because what if they ask me a question that I don't know? Or I don't even think I have the right gifts to, to be talking to somebody about who Jesus was or act on his behalf. So I want to break this down. This is a two-part question. So I don't have the right amount of knowledge. So the first thing, I'm going I'm to read two scriptures back to back. One is from Luke 21, and you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read these two scriptures back to back. So, because I think the answer is right here in the scripture. So in Luke 21, this is Jesus, and he's telling his disciples what's going to happen and what Christ is going to promise them in this moment. And then the second one is the Sanhedrin's response to Peter's words in, those, in that moment. So, okay, this is Luke 21, verse 12. But before all of this, they will seize you and they will persecute you. 
they will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make, it, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you the words and the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Okay, so now we're going to verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do you see, do you see Jesus talking about something and then coming to fruition in the situation exactly? I mean, they put him in prison. They're bringing him before the governors and before the high priests, these people that are, have power. And in that moment, Christ is telling them, don't be afraid in that moment. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Because I'll give you the words. I'll give you evidence and things that these people won't even be able to resist or contradict. That blows my mind. Like, God is so good, and Jesus knows all, and he's telling them exactly what's going to happen, and we're so gracious to see this in the scriptures, because this is exactly what's happening to Peter, and they're realizing that they're unschooled and ordinary men. These men hadn't been to seminary. They, this large group of, of 70 people, the Sanhedrin, probably had the Bible memorized at this point. They had the knowledge, and yet they're the ones on the, the wrong end of the, the stick here. Peter and John are the unschooled fishermen, and they're ordinary, and yet God gives them the words in this moment. So I want you to know that you may not have all the knowledge, and that's okay. You don't have to go to seminary to, to speak on behalf of who God is, or you don't have to put in a certain amount of hours in your Bible to, to speak on behalf of God or act on behalf of God because he will give you the words and I'm telling you don't worry about that moment because he's here with us now and he'll be with you in that moment just as Jesus was with them here and it was with Peter in that moment through the Holy Spirit. So please don't tell yourself this myth of I need to have enough knowledge. Now the second half to that is I don't have the right gifts. I tell myself this all the time. Man, I am, I am an introverted person. I, uh, it is shocking to me that I took this position to be standing up here and to be preaching to you all. I would, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take a nap after this. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I am out of my comfort zone, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you that right now. But yet, God is using me. And this is not, I'm not using this as a, as a stance to, to brag to you, I am simply saying God is doing miraculous things in my life, and it's because I'm trying to, to take that next step, and yet he is pushing me, and he is using me in miraculous ways, in ways that I don't even see, and I, again, I'm just really grateful to, to be here and to be able to, to talk in front of you all, so please hear that from not a place of I'm bragging, but hear that from a place of if God can do this in my life, how much more can he do it in your life? I'm telling you that right now. And God bestows on each one of us gifts to use. And he, 
brings those out of us. They're natural gifts. They're part of our personalities that, that only God can put those there. You know, as, you know, as a parent, I'm sure you see in your kids that, you know, they, they haven't really changed that much. They've been the same person since they were little. They've had the same personality since they were little, and God bestows those gifts on us. So one, I want you to know you do have a gift. God has graciously given each one of us a gift and a gift that can be used for his kingdom. And in this example with Peter, I want you to see that oftentimes, if you know anything about Peter, he's the person to ask the question that nobody else wanted to ask, or to speak up for the disciples when nobody wanted to, or always said what other people were thinking would be the best way to describe it. So he's familiar with talking. He's oftentimes that, that mouthpiece for the disciples. And that's a gift. That's totally a gift that, that God has bestowed on him. And in this moment, God is using that gift to proclaim his name boldly and for Peter to act boldly in this moment. So know that you don't have to have all the knowledge. God will provide it for you. And that doesn't mean you just neglect studying your Bible. That you know, Pierce said that I'm going to have the knowledge, so I'm just not going to read or do anything like that. I want you to know that there's still value in that. And at the same time, he has given you a gift, a gift unique to you, and he wants to use it in you. Okay, so the last myth that we have today is I can't solve all of their problems. Man, for me, during these times, I see the world currently where we're at, and it pains me, it burdens me with the amount of issues that are in the world, uh, and yeah, just really tough. There's a lot of things uh, that we don't talk about that are, that are not right, and we want to try and tackle those as a body of believers, uh, and oftentimes for me, I feel as though the problems are too big uh, for anyone to handle. So it kind of almost gives me a position not to even try. And I think we can often tell ourselves this when we see somebody that has an issue that maybe that gospel, telling, t- telling them about Jesus won't solve that immediate problem. You know, the gospel is not going to help me pay my bills in this moment, you know. Telling somebody about Jesus is not going to help solve that they just lost a loved one. It's not going to bring that person back. Or whatever, paint whatever picture you want over this. But I want you to see in Acts 3 that I want you to think of the beggar in this moment. Because he is crippled and he's asking for money. He's not asking to be healed, he's simply asking for money at this moment. And what does Peter do? He says, I don't have any money. But what I do give you, I give you in the name of Christ. And it blesses this man. This was a problem that he didn't see ever getting solved, actually. He never saw being healed as a possibility. So he thought, I can just live off of what people give me because I clearly can't work. I'm I'm just here by the temple each and every day. 
And yet God worked miraculously through Peter and boldly through his actions that he was able to address a need and not a want. You see, we all want certain things and we want to satisfy certain needs, but what we need is a Savior. What we need is that name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and by that power this man was able to walk. And by that same name, we can transform lives and speak boldly and act boldly on behalf of Christ. So I want you to know that. That you may not be presenting a want, and you may not be solving those people's problems or a want, but you can provide what they need. Because what we need is Christ. What I need is a Savior that, that pursues me daily and changes me daily and accepts me for who I am, but doesn't want to leave me there. Because that's what the Spirit is doing here. Is he, they take Peter exactly where he's at and forgives him. And he says, Peter, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to continue to change you and be that presence. So what I want you to know today is that one, I want to address those needs. And that's what Christ does. And I hope that you're empowered and that God is touching you right now that you can speak boldly on behalf of him and act boldly on behalf of Christ. Because that's what God does. He is so gracious that he uses each one of us as his mouthpiece and as his hands and feet. And that's what I want to offer you today is and we have this at our disposal. The same spirit that is in Peter to be able to speak these bold, bold words is available to you and I. And so that leads me to this challenge for this week. But I first want you to know that this is not the only person that has experienced this. In the Bible, Timothy is experiencing something similar, and Paul tells him, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of self-control. That is the spirit that we have in us. And so this week, I want you to wake up each morning and I want you to pray that God will reveal to you a moment to speak or act boldly in his name. And when you pray this prayer, and we're going to pray it in just a moment, I'm going to pray it for myself as well as y'all. If we pray this, man, God is going to move. He is not going not gonna to show up. Not not going to show up. He will show up. So, know that. So, I, I want to pray for us, but if you, if you don't know who this person of Christ is, I want to invite you to know that, to know that there's a need in your life, and it's one that Christ has addressed and has solved for us, and that is in the cross, and that is in the resurrection. He's brought us back into relationship with him. So if you, if you don't know Christ, if you're not a believer, I would encourage you to, to seek out Christ and to figure out exactly what that need is and how he filled it. And if you're a believer, I want to empower you this morning to go and speak and act boldly this week, because we have a miraculous God on our side, and that's something that we don't take advantage of as, as well as we should. And he, he will move. Oh, man, he will move. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for 
every person in this room. Thank you for bringing them up here, whatever that looks like. And however you got them here, Lord, I'm grateful that the people in this room are here and those that are online that are watching, and I'm thankful for them and thank you for bringing them here. God, I want to I want to ask you to do a miraculous thing in us this week. I want you to put us out of our comfort zone, and I want us to act boldly and speak boldly on your behalf. God, just as, as Christ is speaking boldly and, and tells the disciples that he will give them the words, and they need not worry, man, God, let that just be the message that we hear this week, that we may not worry and we may not tell ourselves these myths, but you address these myths so graciously in Scripture and that you are so good. So yeah, Lord, please move in us this week. Uh, touch our hearts. And if there's anyone in this room uh, that you're touching right now, thank you so much for that. Uh, Lord, be with us throughout the week as we go and act and speak boldly on your behalf. And be with us in those moments. In your son's name I pray. Amen.